Before the show begins today, I'm happy to announce to you, my faithful listeners of Home Row, you can now buy, for the first time ever, Home Row merchandise. And to start us off, we've got some official Home Row mugs. And they're really sleek, really uh, clean coffee cups. And there on the front of the mug, it has the tagline for the show, Just Keep Riding. And then on the back of the mug, it's got the actual Home Row. A-S-D-F-J-K-L, semicolon there on, on your keyboard. And these are a limited run, limited batch. You can buy them right now, and they only cost $15. I wanted to keep the price low so we could get them out to you, um, and I'd love for you to pick them up. We're gonna, they're going to be running for two weeks, and then the sale's going to stop. And so go and buy them right now. The link is the very, it's, it's going to be the only link in this show. So you just scroll there at the bottom of your show notes. You'll see a link to go to Bonfire. It's the store that I'm using. And you can buy these mugs up to encourage you to just keep writing as you're sitting there working on your blog post, maybe working on your book, working on an article, working on schoolwork, whatever it may be. Um, just a fun little encouragement as you drink your tea, drink your coffee, put milk in it, put water in it, do put whatever you want in it that will encourage you to just keep writing. And and with every purchase, um, you're helping keep the show alive. Podcasts do cost money. And so I, instead of launching a Patreon or anything like that, I thought this would be a fun way um, for you guys to have a little piece of the show with you. Um, so I'd love your support. Click, click the link there in your show notes and let's get on to today's show. I'm, I'm writing. You know how to write. Without the, without the, without the writing, you have nothing. I'm writing. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Home Row, and I'm your host, Jeff Metters. And on today's show, I have Dr. Brandon Crow on. Brandon, how are you? I am doing well, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Man, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show. Um, for people out there who don't know who you are, why don't you just tell the listeners who you are and a little bit about yourself? Well, the, I grew up in Alabama, and I've been teaching at Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia for about 10 and a half years. I'm married with four children, ages 12 to 3, and I teach New Testament. I did a PhD overseas in Edinburgh, Scotland, and uh, maybe that's about it. Now, um, something up there in Philly, What's what are you doing for fun when there's not a, a global pandemic and there's not teaching hours and, and writing time? What's something that you're doing for fun up there in Philly? Yeah, good question. I, I'd, um, I'll go ride bikes sometimes with my kids. Uh, we'll go out in the backyard and, and do this or that, you know, just uh, odds and ends. Uh, th- there is a lot of things to do in Philadelphia. I don't spend a whole lot of time in the city itself. Uh, we live out uh, a bit away from the city in the suburbs. Uh, so what do we do? Uh, it, it's remarkable how often your Saturdays are just gone and you don't realize what you do. So we, we try to make the most of it, but it just depends on, on the, the season of the year. Uh, it gets cold up here a lot, and so we're inside a lot in the winter. And it gets, believe it or not, quite hot in the summer. So sometimes it's uh, – uh, you got to pick your moments for how often you're outside, but we try to make as much of the time outside as we can, and uh, you know get together with with other po- folks from the church or or, or f- kids' friends or whatever. Probably just the same as it is everywhere. I don't know that we do a whole lot that's particularly Philadelphia centric. Right. 
Yeah, down here in Houston, it's uh, pretty hot all the time. Um, pretty humid. Not a whole lot you can do outside uh, for a long, but when it does get nice, we have a few weeks in the fall, a few weeks in the winter, a few weeks in the spring where it's like 70, 60, low 80s. It's actually low 80s. Oh, it's 75 right now, and it's beautiful. It's great. But that lasts a couple of days, and then a massive thunderstorm will roll in, and then it's super humid, and uh, it's just life in, uh, life in Houston. Yeah, I grew up in, in Alabama. It gets humid there as well, maybe a bit different than Houston, but I like the heat. Uh, I'd rather be hot than cold, but that's another discussion for another day probably. <laughs> Yes, another day for sure. So, Brandon, you have written um, uh, lots of books, lots of resources and academic writing. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your your new book on productivity, Everyday Matters, a biblical approach to productivity. Is that your first non-academic book? Uh, sort of. I mean, it's certainly the first book that I've written that's sort of off topic. You know, it's, uh, I never thought I would write a, a, a leadership or management or time management book. I've, I've written a couple of things that are much less academic. I have a little booklet that was designed to be written for college students on the virgin birth. Uh, that's a number of years ago now. Uh, and then I have a, a fairly accessible introduction to James through Jude called The Message of the General Epistles and the History of Redemption. That's got footnotes in it, uh, but it's not terribly long, not terribly onerous to read. It's much more of a sort of a, an accessible um, introduction to those books. So those are much less academic. But this is even a step probably below that book in terms of, uh, of the audience. I'm not assuming really any familiarity with the Bible uh, all that much. And so for those who know the Bible, I hope it will be helpful to bring some things together and articulate things in a systematic way, perhaps. Uh, but for those who don't know the Bible, I hope this will also be accessible for them, because I try not to assume too much prior knowledge, really, in any of the categories that I go through in the book, including scriptural categories. Right, right. Absolutely. Now, before we dive into talking about uh, your your works more, and especially um, your book on productivity, um, how did you become a writer? Yeah, I don't know that I really view myself as a quote-unquote writer. It's just something you do uh, as you get into the academic world. You know, you're, you're writing a dissertation, and that's where you have to prove yourself. And uh, it's that could just be one book that you write, and you're done, and maybe you don't write books like that anymore. Or maybe it's just the first book of several books. And in my case, it turns out that the more I wrote, the more opportunities I had to write, and I, I felt like I could – um, bring things together in a w- helpful way. You don't know if you'll be a writer or not until you know if people will publish your stuff or if you have something to say. And so it was really just one step at a time. I never set out to say, hey, I, I want to write a lot of books. Uh, and I, I haven't written all that many in the grand scheme of things, but it's it, it's where you, you just write something and then you think, okay, I'm done with that. Let me try to do it again. And, okay, I'm done with that. Let me try to do it again and so forth. Part of that is seeing gaps that need to be addressed and thinking, how can I address that gap? And often writing is a strategic way to do that. And I find as a professor that uh, really the primary calling is is to teach, and that's where I've always viewed my primary calling. As I've taught, I've, I've come up with ideas or come across ideas, I should say, sometimes from comments from students and discuss, discussions with students, sometimes simply from things that, that come up as I'm preparing lectures. And I view it sort of like a hermeneutical cycle. And so as I teach, I come across ideas that need to be pursued further. 
and then I pursue the ideas and and those make their way back into the lectures and hopefully make uh, make the teaching better uh, and the classroom experience better and more well-rounded. And, and then from there, you know, other things will come up so that you pursue that and then it works its way back in to the lectures. And so in the past you know, 10 years or so, I found that to be fairly consistent pattern that's been helpful for me. Uh, I view so much of what I'm doing as, as a service to the classroom, but also trying to make that uh, more accessible widely. Uh, and as I, I've found that as I write, I understand things better and I'm able to articulate them better. And I'm able, hopefully, to make better lectures in the classroom uh, because of the things that, that I've had the chance maybe to spend some time on looking into a little bit further. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Lots of good, uh, uh, just little nuggets of, of wisdom in there that I, I want to bring up in a little bit. Um, or, you know, as you think about your academic writing and just maybe your writing career, were there certain people along the way that encouraged you? I'm, I'm sure like in every profession, uh, there's moments of doubt of, do I have the right gifts and the, the makeup for this? Uh, were there are people that you could look at and go, you know, if it weren't for that person, th- that they really helped me keep going. You know, you, you don't know uh, in life uh, so many things. You just got to practice it. You got to do it. And some things you end up being better at than others. And, and certainly not everyone has the same strengths in every way. Um, looking back at, as, as uh, I think about your question in light of a, maybe a broader scope, looking back to high school, uh, I remember enjoying English classes and having some good teachers, uh, you know, at the high school level in terms of literature and English and enjoying that and thinking I might even want to be an English major when I went to college. I, it turns out I was a history major in college, uh, which was similar in some ways, reading a lot of books and writing papers. Uh, in college, I I had some some real bombs, I think, of papers that I wrote in <laughs> high school as well. Uh, but some uh, sometimes you wonder if you have what it takes, and then you know you put your mind to it. And uh, I had some other papers that went really well, uh, and so I got some. I got both some, uh, I guess, chastisement in college, and got uh, some pretty critical remarks on some things that I wrote. I can think back to, but also had some encouragement along the way, and um, and some positive reaction to like a senior thesis that I wrote in, in college uh, where I did a lot of research and put together a, a paper that hadn't been done before. So that was encouraging. Uh, I went to seminary, and, and you don't go to seminary thinking you, I, I'm going to seminary to be a writer. I went because I thought I would be a pastor. But you have to do a lot of writing in seminary. And uh, you know, one thing led to another. I ended up doing uh, PhD applications and going to a PhD uh, institution. And in the British system, you're just writing all the time. And you might have a supervisor who will encourage you uh, and and tell you, well done. You might have one that doesn't. It just depends on your, your circumstance. But uh, really, the uh, where the rubber meets the road in that sort of a context is can you produce work that passes inspection? And so that was my goal was to write work that would hold up under scrutiny. And secondarily, I'm thinking of trying to be a good writer. Uh, but primarily, I'm just trying to get the research out there and have it clearly articulated and so forth. Um, so those are those are some more academic uh, uh, hurdles I can think through. But just from a practical standpoint, um, it, I've always been impressed with those who could write clearly. Uh, and I, I had a professor in seminary who said he wrote for his grandmothers uh, to be able to understand. And uh, I find that trying to make things simple and trying to make them as clear as possible is often the sign that I've understood it well. Because it's easy to be really complicated, and then it turns out you don't know what you said, 
it's much more difficult to be uh, very clear and precise. Uh, and so on a number of levels, that there's a number of, of academic writers who have helped me in that way from my own seminary professors. One of my colleagues at Westminster, Vern Poitras, he's incredibly uh, well-learned, but also writes very simply. Uh, and that's, um, I think, a, a nice model. Uh, along the way, you also get help as you try to, to write uh, books. You know, you, you, people at publishers sometimes will give you a break in terms of taking a chance on a young writer. I think that was the case for me. Uh, as you continue to try to get book contracts and so forth and talk to publishers, often there will be people who go to bat for you who maybe are a reference for an unknown author. And um, I certainly think that was the case for me as well. So to answer your question, there's a lot of influences on my yeah. life. And I, I don't even know probably if I could enumerate them all, but certainly no one is successful really on their own. We're not lone rangers. There are so many people who help out uh, and show a vote of confidence that will in the long run pay dividends. And I, I'm certainly am grateful for all of those along the way who have taken a chance on me and, and encouraged me and helped me get better uh, and asked me to do things and, and given me a chance to, to write uh, because it turns out that I enjoy it and um, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Yeah. Man, I, that's so true. We are not writers or pastors or professors or um, even educators or whatever, um, sales reps, nobody. We are not formed in a vacuum. And that's such a great reminder as you think about all the people that shape you from high school and college and seminary and, and now to today. That's why I love uh, reading the acknowledgments in people's books. I think you just get a real insight into the people that, you know, of course you've got family and stuff like that. Hopefully those, those always get the, the hat tip, but also um, colleagues and friends and editors and, and all that, that really, you know, make a book come together. That's, that's what I put in the, uh, the acknowledgements for my book, Humble Calvinism, that books, they're like Amish barn raisings. It, it takes a lot of people for it to all come together. I, if I had more room in the acknowledgments, I would have thanked the, uh, which I had in the rough draft, I would have thanked the people loading the paper at the printing, you know, press or wherever it was like without them, it wouldn't happen. I mean, it's just a total community effort. It absolutely is. There's a, so many, especially for, uh, some of these, um, uh, some of the, the, the publishers really put a lot of work into the back end that you never see in terms of editing it and even choosing which which printers and so forth to use it really is a it's a community effort now for i mean so you you've talked about the the book you wrote on the general epistles we've got one book that you edited w along with Carl Truman called the essential trinity got the hope of israel of the resurrection of christ and the acts of the apostles which i have sitting over here i can't can't wait to read it uh the last adam about the uh, obedient life of jesus for us um, so lots, and then lots of great in-depth um, scholarly work, and now uh, Everyday Matters, a biblical approach to productivity, came out this year from from Lexham Press. And so, as you said earlier, I, I never mentioned, I never thought I would write a book on uh, productivity or whatever. So, why did you? What what happened? What what got what got us here? Well, it's one of those things where one thing leads to another. Uh, the short answer is, and these are things that I've had to figure out through the years and just to keep my head above water. And I never had a class on it. You know, I, I had some good models in life. Uh, but in terms of 
how do you organize yourself? Uh, where do you put this information? Where do you put that information? Those were things I had to pick up along the way, really, as I was in grad school and beyond. And and um, as a professor who has a weekly prayer group of students, we have a lot of students who are working really hard, and there's a, a lot on their plate. And one of the most frequent prayer requests is is help from managing all of their time, of their their re- their responsibilities and their time, which I can certainly identify with. Especially as you start out as a professor, when you're a young professor, the the amount of of burdens that you carry in terms of of how long it takes simply to write one hour's worth of lecture, and how often you have to lecture, and how you have to get up to speed on all these different areas of research, and as you have to do administrative responsibilities, care for your family, and so forth, those were things that I had to, I was forced to figure out, and kind of in in, uh, in the moment. And I remember thinking back to. Uh, when I was in college and even graduating college, hearing people talk about goals and your roles in life and objectives and and not really knowing how to organize all of those things and, and wishing I had a book that said not just uh, it's important to have a, a life that's focused on the important things, but then tells me how to do it. And so what I've tried to do in this book is bring together the theoretical and the practical. Uh, I tried to write a book that I wish I had 10, 15, 20 years ago even where – you you understand why you need to be doing these things, why you need to be organized, what does the Bible say about diligence and about the, both the benefits of it, the limitations of it, also how it relates to Christ, uh, and and then just simply how you do it. I've read a number of books that I was hoping would just tell me how to do it, uh, and some of them simply don't. Some are really good on the theoretical, and some are really good on the practical, but they may not come from a biblical worldview. So I was trying to combine in this book in as simple of a fashion as I could, as sort of a one-stop shop for here's the theoretical, here's what you ought to be doing, here's what the Bible says in brief scope, and now here's all of the, the sort of things you need to get in place, uh, ways to get organized and so forth, recognizing that no two people's situations are exactly the same. Even so, here are some of the principles that, that you should be thinking through to try to put down somewhere on paper to get yourself organized and so I found that I learned a lot from writing the book, even as I had some of these ideas already in place. And, but it forced me to be even more precise and intentional with the way I thought through some of these things. And so my goal in this is to help seminary students, but it's really much bigger than that. It's, I didn't write it only with seminary students in mind. That sort of gave me the impetus for writing it. But it's really for anyone who's in charge of their own schedule or wants to know how to maximize the time they have. Uh, in this this era, you may have alluded to it, when you are in charge of your own schedule, you're not going anywhere maybe, and you're just at home all day, what do you do to be productive, and, and how can you organize yourself? I think those are very live questions. Um, and so you know, one thing led to another. I, I had friends that uh, I talked to at a publisher, and we talked about ideas, and this kind of came up, and we said, let's go for it. And so that's kind of how this thing came to be. Yeah, I love it. Flipping through. Um, you do see how practical it is. I mean, part one, you go into the perspectives on why you need this book. And, and then some of, you know, there's a biblical text to encourage us about how, you know, this is not just about getting things done, but living wisely and living for the glory of God, of course. And then into principles, priorities, goals and planning, routines, family, it's huge. Um, and rest, refresh, repent. Very rarely do you see productivity books about repentance um, and having resolve, sustaining energy. And then I love in part three, 
you talk about the practices and engaging the spiritual disciplines. Uh, I don't think I've seen a lot written, especially, you know, here we are, I mean, we're evangelical Christians talking about productivity and uh, to have that included on spiritual disciplines is so wise. So what, what led you to include that that's often overlooked? Well, I think that's a matter of trying to be consistent with what you say you believe and then how you spend your time. And so probably, don't assume too much, but probably for most people picking the book up with the title biblical in the title, they would say that God is important and that God is a priority. And yet it can be very difficult to know how to make that a priority, that is pursuing uh, pursuing God, to use that Tozer quote, uh, a phrase, uh, how do you make God a priority in your life? And one of the sort of brass tacks answers is, are you spending time uh, engaging in the ordinary means of grace? And so not only on, on Sundays, but but daily as much as possible, are you praying? Are you fellowshipping? Are you interceding? Are you repenting? Uh, are you f- soaking yourself as much as you can in Scripture? It doesn't save us, uh, but those are the means of grace by which we grow. And so it's a it's designed to be a help to to say if you uh, if God is a priority, let's make sure we we find a way, uh, and and that you find a way, however your day looks and your week looks, uh, that you are making some sort of margin, intentionally so, uh, to pursue spiritual disciplines and to seek to expose yourself to those means of grace that will facilitate growth in faith, and they're not automatic. Uh, nor are they uh, the foundation of our justification, but they are the means by which ordinarily we grow in the faith by reading the Word, memorizing the Word, uh, letting it shape us, praying for ourselves and for others and those uh, for whom we are responsible and those who are responsible for us. And so those are those are hopefully some practical helps there to help us be more consistent and to grow and to create more margin in our lives for uh, spiritual our spiritual life. Yeah. Mm. So, so true. And a needed reminder, of course, um, you know, I'm thinking about two, two angles or two audiences really for the book. Um, obviously first, this is about writing and you got writers. Um, so as you think about the the writing life and the writing habits, it could range from, you know, people just want to keep their blog up to date or, or they want to submit an article to gospel-centered discipleship or for the church or the gospel coalition, or they, they want to try to tackle a, a big book project. Um, or it's a seminary student who's, they've got their... Uh, research paper coming up. I mean, I I just got my, this is me personally, I just got my syllabi for two classes. Uh, my first PhD classes beginning this fall at Southern Seminary. And so I got my graduate research studies syllabus, my foundations of theological studies, um, and all of that coming together. It's about 14 books, uh, book summaries for each one, one paper to get started, and I just looked at it all, the 14 books, and I'm a full-time you know, preaching pastor. Now I'm a full-time uh, televangelist because of coronavirus. And yeah. so it's like, oh my goodness. So definitely I'm going to be leaning into your book, trying to organize all these things. So let's, let's do the first one, um, a, a writer's productivity and planning. Um, what, what counsel, tips, and, and wisdom do you have for people who want to actually write and not just think about writing? 
Yeah, and that's that's a good question. That's one of the the things that that is that I'm thinking uh, as I'm writing the book is about writing. Although I didn't put a whole lot about writing in the book because I didn't assume that most of the audience would necessarily be writing. But it's a, a very appropriate question and one that is very much related to the book. Uh, my my answer would be the short answer would be to look at the chapter on routines. It's chapter six of the book, and that's really where I probably would would say that the principles of that chapter might be the most helpful for writing. The short answer is you get started as soon as you can. Uh, don't wait till tomorrow and get started today. And you take it one swing of the axe at a time. So for a book, uh, just start there. For a book, uh, you've got to write 100,000 words. If you're in a PhD program, you may have a dissertation coming due in a few years that might be 80 to 100,000 words. If it's 100,000 words and you've got a year to write it, let's say you have a year at the end of your studies, well, it will take a lot of research to get yourself up to speed to write that thing. And, and certainly there is no shortcut around that. you got to research. But at the same time, you could research so much that you never feel ready to write. So there's going to be a balance between knowing when you've got enough research to start writing and, uh, and, and, and not skipping that step. You've got to, at some point, you've got to get started. And you probably have to get started a little bit sooner than you think than, than you than you need to because you'll never feel ready. And so what it what it means for writing is be consistent and take little chunks. Don't think you, uh, of writing a book. Think of writing a paragraph. So you wake up one day and say, I've got to write a paragraph today. And maybe it's 200, 300 words. And well, you do that uh, 300 words adds up uh, in the course of a week. You've just written 1500 words. And in the course of two weeks, you've written 3,000 words. Well, there's 3% of your dissertation in two weeks. And so it's a, a matter of a little bit at a time and getting started as early as you can because every day you get started is a head start you have on that big project. And the later you wait, the more you have to write per day to meet your deadline. Another principle there for writers is to identify what the deadlines are and then be sure you meet the deadline. So if you have a – let's just – use a dissertation analogy, let's say it's due on uh, December 31st, you absolutely have to hit that deadline, which means you need to make your own deadlines before December 31st because some things will take you longer. There may be unexpected delays. And so if I'm working on a book project myself, my own goal is to have the book done six months ahead of the deadline. Sometimes I hit the six-month goal. Sometimes I don't. But that six months gives me uh, ensures that I have time to let it sit to read through it multiple times, uh, and it also builds in a buffer. So if I, if I had a book, let's say it was due on December 31st, I would try to have it done June 30 and, and complete a manuscript. That gives me the chance to be sure that I can absolutely turn in a polished product by the time the deadline hits. But to do that, I've got to get started as early as possible. Uh, and so that's, I think, some of the most helpful advice. you got to get started maybe before you think you're ready. But then you got to keep your research up. But even as you're doing that, can knock out a paragraph, a paragraph, a paragraph, a paragraph, and those will add up. It seems like there's a uh, a constant debate on productivity tools. Should they be analog, paper and pen? Should it be um, an Evernote? Should it be a Todoist? Uh, there's there's all kinds of ways that people go. It seems like you prefer paper and pen. Is 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 that true? I prefer a combination, and so I use electronic resources every day. 
Uh, to, I have an elect, the electronic tool I use uh, is uh, Things because I started using it yeah, and I it's always things. worked yeah. well. And so I've just always used it. So I'm using that all day. But I'm also using the hard copy planner all day because they, as we know, practically speaking, as soon as you look at your computer, for me, half the time I look at it, I forget why I looked at it. Right. And whatever's on the screen grabs my attention or whatever I um, command tab to. Is if it's the wrong one, it grabs my attention, and maybe I have too many windows open. But uh, <laughs> uh, you, you see what's on your screen, and that grabs your attention. And I can't tell you how many times that I've gotten on the computer to make a note or to look something up, and my attention is diverted to what's there in front of me. So a hard copy planner enables me to track things more easily than only electronic resources. And so I'll write down what I've done. I might have a goal of writing 500 words. And I can therefore write down in the planner each day how many words that I write and check it off when I'm done. And it's easy to review at the end of the week how did I do each day. If we're talking about writing, did I write enough words each day? So I typically have a, a daily word count goal, and I try to beat that goal. And so if you if you have a it's it's realistic but ambitious, and then I try to barely beat it each day. So it's kind of a game. Yeah. It's kind of a lame game, but it's you know there's a, a sort of motivating at the same time uh, so the the hard copy planner i find is useful for staying focused and for looking at an entire week in one glance that's the way i have my setup okay. and there's a, a printout in the book of the yeah. way that i organize my calendar but i'm also going to say in the book uh, figure out what works for you uh, i think probably some kind of electronic tools are 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 necessary in our day and age, especially if you're collaborating with people on a calendar or something in terms of your work or, or whatever. But I, I, you got to figure out what works for you. For me, what works is a combination of electronic and hard copy uh, of you know, analog writing. I use probably half and half. And when it comes down to it, because I use electronic resources a lot. And when you write, I certainly don't write by hand. I write on the computer. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was curious how that I use things too. And I, I love it. But I could also, you know, see the benefits of writing things out. And so help, help me understand more. What, how do these, how does the hard copy, uh, writing it down and things, how do those collaborate? Yeah, for me, again, everyone will be different. For me, the uh, things is more of a huge uh, uh, data dump, right? So I've got all kinds of information in there. It's really helpful for deadlines and keeping up with them in a visual way for creating projects, which has multiple tasks related to it, for tracking things like when a chapter for a book is due. Um, I, it, it's a way to collect a lot of things and organize it. So for myself, what I will do is if you find, let's say, an article that you need to research for a book, well, you could put that in. I use Evernote. I could put that in Evernote, and I might if it's a PDF. I could write that down in my planner and go get it from my office or go get it from the library. I could put it um, – in my writing software itself in the right spot, or I could put it in things. And so it just really just, I put them in the right spot typically, but sometimes it depends on the type of resource it is. Uh, if I put it in things, that's a holding spot for tracking something down uh, or for uh, transferring that to my writing software. But if I'm out about town or something, or if I'm just have my phone on me, I could pull up things and add something to it that I can't do with my writing software whenever uh, I just have a phone or something with me. I also have a little pocket notebook that back in the days when I left the house, I would take that with me 
uh, and write things down, uh, notes on things, which is helpful for a writer as well. Yeah. I think if you uh, keep notes and, and so my hard copy planner, I use that to sort of think through and just write out by hand things I have to do for each week uh, and things I have to do for each day and to check things off as I do them uh, through the day. But more of a command center. Things is more like a command center where I have multiple projects listed. Uh, I have uh, uh, more of, of specific details, bibliographies and things that I need to, that are coming due. For example, if I'm teaching a class, I'll make sure that I know what's due each week in that class. And so I'm prepared along with the students. I've read all the readings. I've done all the, the prep work. And that's I can put that information in things very easily and then check it off and delete it as I go along. It's so precise and so detailed. I can copy and paste it from a syllabus. It's much quicker to do that than to write all that out by hand. Right. Um, so that may give you some sense of how, how I do it. I kind of just play it by ear and get a feel for it. Yeah, it seems like in the book, I'm looking at the um, the example calendar that you put up there. So it seems like you kind of have a, um, it's a week. You've got kind of a week in mind. Um, and you've got some things that you want to do every day. You've got, okay, I'm going to write 500 words. I'm going to grade 10 exams. I'm going to prep for Tuesday lunch meeting. Um, and you even got some like appointments, you know, and they're like 5.30 dinner uh, meeting. Uh, so it seems like then you just, you try to map out your week on the, on the planner and are, you're probably, are you pulling from things? Like I need to put some of this stuff down. Uh, sort of, sort of, uh, so I'll use things for like, like a deadline and things like it'll be a, a major project or something, say final grades due January 10th or something. And so I've got that deadline that I'm reviewing at least once a week. And I know that to hit those, that final deadline, I've got a grade however many dozens of papers. And so I know that I've got, uh, let's say, 25 days or something to get all my grading done for all the classes. Well, that means if I've got 60 students in a class and I can grade uh, this many papers per day, then I know it, let's say I grade six papers a day, then it takes me 10 days to get through that class. And so you've got to realize how, uh, or, or kind of gauge how quickly you can do things and how much energy it takes and then sort of plan it out from there. And so some of those things never make it into things like uh, I try to simply keep myself honest with um, uh, routines, but trying to write them down each day, forcing myself to write them down and then doing it. And now I don't get to those every day, but things like keeping up languages, uh, those are things you need to do consistently. So I try to do languages as much as I can. I, I don't always succeed each day. Um, biblical languages and, and modern languages, uh, that's something you have to do in the world scholarship. Um, so I try to do th those are things that just take time. Uh, and sometimes I'll write, I'll, I'll even keep up with how many 30 minute segments I, I spend on something. And so if, if I've got a four hour block in the morning before lunch, that four hour block turns into a two, two hour blocks. And that two hour block turns into how many 30 minute segments can I get out of this from writing? And so let's say if I'm writing in the morning and I've got four hours, well, I, I want to take two hours of that and just really hit it hard. And so I've got a good four 30-minute segments or so uh, in that first two or two and a half hours of the day. And, and if I have fewer interruptions, I can get quite a bit done when I have my energy levels. For me, they're at the highest in the morning, and I can try to cut out distractions. But even sometimes you just have to work around it. Sometimes you have a meeting and then a 30-minute break and then a meeting. Well, there you're just trying to to get as much writing as you can done. Maybe it's a hundred words, which is like three sentences sometimes. 
but you've gotten the 100 words done. And if you could do that two or three times a day, you've met your 500-word goal just on the, the gaps of your day. Uh, so what I've given in the book, I, I want to emphasize as much as I can. I, I wanted to give some brass tax examples, and I wanted to show you how I do it, uh, and, which is – and by the way, for myself, it's always uh, it's always malleable. I'm always working on it and tweaking it. Right. But I also want to say that what I do is may not be the same way I do it in a year, and it may not work for you. But these were things that I wish I had years ago. Ha- show me how you do it. I remember thinking, reading some books thinking, I, I agree with you. Just show me how to do it. Uh, and and uh, sometimes you will see that, sometimes you won't. So I'm trying to show you how I do it, and here are some options. Here are some options for planners. Here are some options for electronic tools. But you know what? You, you toy around with them. You figure out what works for you, and you figure out your own system, and that's probably what's going to have to happen. If I hand you something on a, a, a platter and say, here's how to do it, it may not even work. Right. Uh, so these are examples. They're illustrative that I hope will help uh, be very practical. Now, um, now that we are in a global pandemic, I think I, I told a friend the other day, asked, how are you doing? How's uh, your routines and everything? I'm like, bro, they've all been burned to the ground. Um, like I'm having to rebuild uh, what I need to do. And my agent's asking me for this new book proposal. And now that I'm at home schooling my kids, it's, it's just been so crazy. And just now starting to figure out, okay, here's how I'll do this. Here's how this will work out. So how have things changed? If maybe they haven't, maybe your routines and rhythms haven't changed for you during the pandemic. But uh, what what advice would you have for people on staying productive? Well, I think it it certainly does change. I think for all of us, it has changed. Uh, for most of us, at least, it's amazing how when you take an hour out of your day of commuting, you actually find it harder to get more done uh, because th- those routines put you in the right frame of mind. If you if I were to drive into my office, I get into my office and I'm in the right spot to work. I can't do anything else. You know, I mean, you can, but you're you're there in the right spot. And there are these cues that uh, that are helpful for you to get yourself in the right frame of mind. That's why sometimes they say going to a gym is more uh, is more um, effective than working out from home because you've gotten your clothes on, you've showed up at the right spot, and you just know that hey, I'm in the place where I need to work out now. And so sometimes it can be hard working out from home, they, they've said in the past. Well, now everybody's working out from home. Uh, but what I would say is, is is try to replicate some of those cues if you can. And so maybe you say that um, I know that whenever I do something, whatever that is, then I know that I'm in writing mode. Or if I put my headphones on and turn on classical music, then now I know that it's time to write. Or if I, um, if, if maybe you – Sometimes I'll, I'll eat lunch at home, and if I'm at home, I'll, I'll take the dog for a walk. and take some time, but it rejuvenates me, and it's a routine. And you know that after the dog walk, then I have another series of, of maybe an hour or so of writing in the afternoon before I need to do some administrative work. So I would say try to give yourself some cues. You know that when you enter a certain room, maybe, you do a certain thing, or when you do a, a certain activity, that, that cues you up to write or to answer emails or whatever it is. But also finding structure in the day. Don't view the day as, okay, it's 7 o'clock in the morning. Um, I've got 14 hours to kill, and it's a, it's a groundhog day where every day looks the same. Do your best to view it as – view the day in segments. And so don't say it's 7 a.m. I have 14 hours to kill. Say it's 7 a.m. I've got uh, four and a half, five good hours before lunch. Okay, let me say I've actually got two segments here. The first two-hour segment, I'm going to focus on writing. The next two-hour segment, I'm going to focus on reading and maybe some research. 
And so then you break that down and say, I've got, uh, I've got 30 minute segment to read on this article. And you try to get that article done in 30 minutes. And then I've got 30 minutes to do, uh, to read as much as I can of this book. Uh, and then maybe you say, I've got, I've got to write 500 words today. I'm going to try to do that in two hours. And if I have extra time, then I'll try to squeeze in more. So viewing your day in chunks like that, I think is helpful. Uh, and then you have a small goal, whether you write it out or it's in your head, about what you want to get done. Uh, and going back to the, the calendar idea, the, the planner, know before the day ends what you're going to do the next day. And so just write down one of the tips in the book that I've heard from others that I found helpful is make sure you do three things a day. So whatever else happens, you do three things. Now, those three things might be write 500 words. It might be you know, clear out my inbox. It might be um, start a book proposal. We're talking about writing. But do something towards those big three things every day and then work in the other things around it and have those on paper before your day ends. Let's say today's uh, we're recording this on a, what today's a Wednesday. So by Wednesday afternoon, uh, by dinner time, I should know what I need to do for Thursday. And then when you wake up, you you don't wake up with a blank slate. You wake up saying, I've got to get these three things done and I better get moving because I have these three things to get done. And if I get those done well, I can do other things. So I, I think giving yourself some routines, even if you're at home, will be helpful for you to have some kind of structure in your day. And where you have that structure, often it's easier to get things done. Yeah, I love it. Great advice, brother. Thank you so much. Listeners, be sure to go to Amazon um, and go pick up Brandon Krause. Is it Crow or Crow? It's Crow. It's Crow. Okay, I wanted to make sure. All of a sudden, I was like, maybe I sang it wrong. Now, Brandon Crow, go to be sure and be sure to get his new book uh, that came out this year, Everyday Matters, A Biblical Approach to Productivity. And then there on Amazon, be sure to check out his author profile and you'll be able to see all the rest of the books that he's published. And I'm sure they'll, they'll definitely pique your interest there. Some great resources to study. Well, Brandon, thanks so much, man, for coming on the show. Is there anywhere on social media where you would point people to go? Uh, I have a Twitter account, which is my name, Brandon D. Crow. Uh, so you can find uh, an occasional post from me there. Perfect. Yeah, so go check out Brandon's uh, Twitter over there. Be sure to go follow me on Twitter as well, at Mr. Metters. And I'd love to interact with you listeners. And if you're able, go ahead and try to leave a review for the show. Just swipe down there at the bottom of your podcast app. Uh, I think most of you guys, if I look at the stats, y'all are on Apple Podcast. Uh, for you, For those of you that are on Google Play, I have no idea what you're supposed to do, but I, I bet you can figure it out. So again, thanks for listening. And as always, just keep writing.